watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit it in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes a catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7. FM. Heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app. Seen, heard, and everything in between on the magical, wonderful, just cool place to be. It's just a cool place to be. It's called QSportsTalk.com. So you can watch a radio show as it happens. You can chat with that radio show as it happens. And you get uh, what we like to call the show within the show, meaning the camera and the microphone stays on during radio commercial breaks. And we just can't stop talking to you. I just can't quit you. We just keep talking. We just keep doing the thing. And uh, exclusive commentary, conversations, sometimes props get used. It's it's just high drinks and tomfoolery that you, you can't imagine. QSportsTalk.com, both when we're on the radio and QSportsTalk.com or a QSportsTalk.com exclusive. Either way, you're taking us in there. We appreciate it. However you're uh, taking in the program today, most appreciated. You can make yourself a part of it in the chat at QSportsTalk.com or on the phones at 437-7644. Can hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media as well. Game night, prime time, 9 o'clock game. Oh, we love those 9 o'clock games. They're the best. But that's when they're playing, so that's when we'll watch it, and that's when we will lead you up to tip time. We'll change the sign on the door a little later on this evening following New House at Night. we got plenty of coverage for you here uh, throughout the afternoon and evening. we got yours truly till 6 o'clock, New House at Night from 6 until 8, and then I'm going to step back in, change the sign on the door, and bring you Syracuse basketball pregame the North Carolina Tar Heels in town so with the Tar Heels in town we'll do all that we're going to chat on this show today with Brendan Marks who covers uh, North Carolina for the athletic and does a terrific job at that we'll do that about an hour from now immediately followed with our weekly conversation with Syracuse women's basketball head coach Felicia Legat Jack it's presented by Bill Rapp Superstore and Wegmans looking forward to chatting with the coach Syracuse said a little bit of a rough patch here. They've lost three in a row, a couple of close games in there. Got to get the offense ramped up and a couple other things. So we'll see what Felicia and company have been working on in the lab here as they get ready for Virginia Thursday night and trying to get out of a little bit of a losing streak here. So we'll talk to Coach Jack about that later in the show. The blind side awaits us later. Uh, Eli Apple 
will be a subject in hot takes today as the uh, Buffalo Bills look to rebound from that. Uh, let's see. What's a word you can say on the radio? Because every word that's coming into mind right now is probably not uh, what uh, Francis Charles uh, would be happy with. Uh, disappointing. We'll go with we'll go with disappointing against the Cincinnati Bengals a couple of days ago, and we'll kind of kind of leave it at that. Uh, Brandon Bean at the podium today. Sean McDermott at the podium yesterday. As the Bills just try to step forward. We will get into that a little bit. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. The Jets really going to do that? I hope so for one particular reason. We'll tell you what that is later on in the program. Uh, before we do get into some Syracuse, North Carolina discussion, I, I have an announcement to make. I mean, not to brag. So today uh, I was followed on the Twitter by one John Cena. Rumor has it. That Cena is uh, going to come to Central New York to take on the um, undefeated heavyweight champion of Onondaga Lake Parkway. I think the bridge has its uh, first real contender here, so maybe that's why he followed me. Maybe he's doing a little scouting on the bridge, and you know, not to brag about us blue checks, you know, following each other or anything. I mean, I haven't even looked what kind of exclusive club that is when John Cena follows you. I mean, it's probably like. I a hundred people or something like that. It's... Ah, okay. Well, we'll look. I, we can look. Yeah, I have... God, this is so pretentious. Just blue checks, talking about blue checks. What do you guys think it is? Like 200 people that he follows on Twitter? Something like that? Oh, 500,000. It's 500,000 his uh, PR agent's Twitter feed tweeting all sorts of ads followed me today. (sighs) There you go. With that ego blow out of the way, I was so excited for about 13 seconds. We press on and we get you ready for Syracuse and North Carolina. Let's wake up the voice guy and give you some keys to victory. Uh, the boys out in the bullpen were very excited because initially this list was shorter and it grew as the afternoon went along here. So let's go. Number one. Jump start. This team has got to stop starting slow. They have to particularly stop starting slow against good teams. You can get down in a 21-10 hole against Georgia Tech. Get down in a 21-10 hole, even at home, even with a what I think will be an energetic crowd tonight, Tuesday night crowd, yes, late night start, yes, but I think – There'll be some energy in the building tonight. Get down 21-10 against North Carolina. See how that goes for you. This is an issue for this team. In its eight most recent ACC games, Syracuse has fallen behind by at least seven points in the opening minutes. In six of those games, there is a pattern there in particular, too, in that they are falling behind due to the three-point shot. That's not a huge surprise in one sense because teams are tempted to shoot threes against the zone, but defending the zone, defending the three-point shot, you've got to be on it. Because while this team can crawl out of holes against Georgia Tech and it can crawl out of holes against bad teams, North Carolina is not a team I'd put on the list. I wouldn't test that theory. And while Syracuse kind of has this break glass, it's not even a case of emergency. It's just become 
standard operating procedure to, okay, throw the press at them, that's not going to work against North Carolina. North Carolina is a team that scores 79 points per game. They go at a quick pace. They rebound the heck out of the basketball, which may or may not be another key here. And it's just not going to work. If I'm wrong on that, we'll come back here tomorrow and you can tell me how wrong I was. It's not going to work tonight. you got to use the energy of the crowd, a couple other things that we'll get into, and do your best. Now, here's the thing. North Carolina may be tempted to shoot threes. They may not be. Starting quickly may be in the paint. And Syracuse has as good of a counter as you can have to do that. And I feel like starting quickly, not only comes down to defending better, it comes down to feeding Jesse, even with Armando Baycott looming in the paint. Look, these are two great players. They're going to go at it. You can't run away from them. You can't try and hide from them. You just got to go at them and say, may the best man win here. And I think Jesse Edwards can win some of those battles in that sense, but you cannot start slow tonight. They have to jump start in this game and then settle into a back and forth with North Carolina. Number two. Stop me if you heard this one before. Benny and Bell have to hit the boards, but you don't have a choice tonight. So what we brought up the other day are those little things that you can essentially get away with against Georgia Tech. Joe Girard has 28 points. Judah Mintz bounces back. Jesse Edwards has a better second half. Patchworking a win against a team like Georgia Tech, that works. It will not work against this team. This is an all-hands-on-deck kind of game. I think you're going to need Jesse Edwards and Monir Hima in this game, either by foul situations or circumstances. We'll get into this a little bit more coming up here, but I think you're going to need all three of your guards in this game. I think this is just, you throw waves at North Carolina. We cannot look at the box score after the game and see what has been a typical box score where Benny Williams and Chris Bell like combine for three rebounds, when Joe Girard has more rebounds than your two starting forwards. It's The math just does not add up against this team that, surprise, uh, leads the ACC in rebounding because that's what North Carolina does, no matter who the coach is. They rebound the heck out of the basketball. They swipe possessions. Now, they go at a quick pace, typically. We'll see how this one settles in tonight. But there's that magic number for Syracuse, that if teams score more than 72 points, Syracuse is 0-3 when they allow 80 or more points to get to that rate. Carolina's averaging 79 points per game. By the way, those losses were Colgate, Pitt, and Miami. So going through the entire schedule, that's not like a recent skid they've fallen into. Colgate was a couple months ago. Pitt was at the beginning of the ACC slate. Miami was last week. So that has been a problem continually for Syracuse. They're 12-0 and when they hold opponents to 72 points or less. I mean, that's a trend. North Carolina is going to be a difficult team unless they don't shoot well. I think if Carolina loses this game overall, they're going to beat themselves more than Syracuse will have a hand in it, frankly. Not that Syracuse won't, of course, but you got to hit the boards. you got to get as many possessions as you can against this team, and that's not to say you can't have other players like Malik Brown who's going to be critical in a game like this, like Jesse Edwards, grab rebounds, or whoever wants to get him, go get him. But I don't think the math adds up if you don't have your two starting forwards hitting the boards in this game. And doing what else they can do, scoring, countering, shooting. You know, Chris Bell maybe adding a few three-pointers to the mix. Benny Williams, every few games, will spark and have a 12-5 and type game like he did against Miami, a 16-11 and game like he did against Boston College on New Year's Eve. So 
Sounds obvious, right? I feel like I say that every game, but in particular in this game, it's got to happen. Number three. Well, we got us a backcourt battle in this one. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love are arguably the best backcourt in the ACC. They're both averaging 16 points per game. You got Joe Girard coming off a 28-point performance. He's been over 20 points per game pretty much this last month. And Judah Mintz, who gets another big test here. Judah Mintz, who is in line to be in the short breath for the conversation for ACC Rookie of the Year, who is averaging not only what he's averaging in terms of assists and points and contributing, he's up there in steals. Two steals per game. That actually leads the ACC. It doesn't sound like a lot, but just a couple of disruptions can help you in what could be a close game if you got both teams in an offensive rhythm. Now, I think North Carolina's got an advantage here, but I think Syracuse has got to feel good about the offensive counterpunch they can have there defensively. Look, for all the defending of Joe Girard that I have done on this show and will continue to do, because I think some of the repeated criticism of his, him is, is just completely unnecessary, and it's just people feeding their own egos in a lot of ways. He is a flawed defender. There's no getting around that, okay? You can't defend something that doesn't exist. Joe is a flawed defender. So what happens at the top of that zone? That's why I feel like we're going to need to see Simeon Torrance weave his way into this game. Just throw everything you have at Carolina, right? And this is not a, you know, Brent, didn't you have that take last week kind of thing? No, this is strategy. This is not bench Judah Mintz type of thing. And Judah Mintz, I think, would have to just completely fall apart to be taken out of this game in any context, especially in prime time. I just think it behooves you to put Simeon Torrance in in certain moments, which happens anyway. I think, like I said, all hands on deck. You're going to need everybody to play some kind of role to beat a team like this. This backcourt battle is going to be fascinating to me, but I think Syracuse is at a disadvantage defensively there. This has to be more of a offensive-minded backcourt game, which you know you're going to get out of Joe, and sometimes you get out of Judah. But how do you balance that out with such a great backcourt that they're playing? Number four. Back that Baycott up. Armando Baycott's the ACC Player of the Year. I think he's got that award right now. Not to say Cravion Smith can't get it from NC State. A couple other names in there. I think Baycott's going to win it. He's just one of those guys you got to take a deep and know he's going to get a double-double. He's going to get his points. He's going to get his rebounds. He's going to be a force. You just kind of have to do the best you can to stay out of foul trouble, particularly Jesse Edwards. But I said a moment ago, I think you're going to need both Jesse and Monier in this game anyway. And absorb the impact as best as you can. He's just so hard to stop. I mean, let's just look at this right now, what this guy's doing at this point. Okay. He leads uh, the, let's see, he is third in the ACC in scoring at just under 18 points per game. He leads the league in rebounds. He averages 11.6 per game. He's third in field goal percentage, 58%. In North Carolina's win over NC State back on Saturday, Baycott had 23 points and 18 rebounds. He became North Carolina's leader in career rebounds and double-doubles. 6'11", 235, eighth in the ACC in career rebounds. I just take a deep breath and do what you can. To have some sort of plan to stop him or throw him off or double-team him, it just, you just have to absorb the impact as best as you can. You just have to go back down on the other end of the floor and do what you can with a center who's pretty darn good himself in Jesse Edwards. 
That backcourt battle is juicy. In the middle is juicy as well. Now, Uncle Brent tells you this all the time as we go to number five. That free throws matter. They really matter in this game. In their game against NC State, North Carolina got to the free throw line 39 times. They hit 36 of those free throws. As we just were mentioning with Baycott, he gets to the free throw line a lot. I'll give you a couple numbers here. North Carolina leads the ACC in free throws at 25 attempts per game. That is an average of five more per game than Virginia, who ranks second in the conference at 20 free throws per game. So Baycott is the center of that, but they find ways to get to the free throw line. They're good at getting to the free throw line. They're experts at it, and they make them. Can Syracuse somehow sway the refs to put them at the free throw line as much? TV Teddy in the house again. Seems like he's been doing every Syracuse game as of late. We'll have to see who the officiating crew is at the Dome tonight. But they will get to the free throw line. Rest assured, ACC officials are conditioned to blow that whistle based on how Baycott plays, based on how this team plays, based on the pace they play, the rebounding. It's just, it lends itself to that team getting to the free throw line a lot. So really, you could even add a sixth key to victory if you really want to, that Syracuse just has to score the hell out of the ball tonight. More than almost any game they've played. Because you're not going to stop this team. You're not going to stop Baycott. You're not going to stop that backcourt. You can limit it. You can hope they have a bad shooting night. But the best way to play North Carolina, get the hell up the court and score. That's the best way to play this team. So I don't even have number six from the voice guy, but you can consider that a bonus key to this game. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, the chat flowing at QSportsTalk.com. We'll be talking plenty more about this matchup throughout the afternoon, including a conversation with Brendan Marks from The Athletic, who covers North Carolina. That is coming up. Felicia Legette-Jack is coming up. Uh, On the other side here, there's an interesting attendee coming to the JMA Wireless Dome tonight that will be sitting courtside. Now, normally when we talk about this, it's not John Cena, is it? Is that why he followed me? Along with literally 500,000 other people on Twitter today. Is Cena going to be courtside? I have not scrolled Adam Weitzman's uh, Instagram feed, but I would guarantee you, I would guarantee you there's a picture of him on that Instagram feed. I don't know. But, no, we're not talking about celebrities in this case. We're talking about a potential future orange in this case. Intriguing little subplot, if you will, going into the JMA Wireless Dome tonight. So we will get into that coming up here shortly. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Always an adventure when you hit the 80s bump. Not bad. We'll take that. We'll take that. Nice kind of going through a Tuesday, feeling like a radio DJ kind of day. I hear the drums are going tonight. So there's a game tonight at the Dome. You guys may have heard about this. And one thing that's become an attractive side story, if you will, something that's like, Okay, who's sitting in the Adam Weitzman 
Spike Lee seats courtside. And it's it's become a spectacle, and you know, it's about celebrities and big names and the buzz and the juice that comes from that. And, and we'll see if somebody of that nature fits there. Is that why John Cena followed me? I'll just keep saying that, just to will it into existence. It's probably not why, but, you know, one of only 533,000 people. Yeah, yeah, that's a big old flex right there. Anyway, as Chris Carlson writes on Syracuse.com, the Adam Weitzman courtside seat discussion takes on an interesting twist at the JMA Wireless Dome tonight. Let me read you a bit of Chris's story here. Days before he is set to make his college choice, Syracuse men's basketball recruit Elijah Moore plans to sit courtside with SU booster Adam Weitzman to watch the Orange play North Carolina tonight. As Chris writes, Weitzman said the visit is related to an NIL contract offer that he has made to Moore, ranked by 247 Sports as the number 100 recruit in the class of 2024. Currently, Syracuse does not have any recruits in the class of 2023, going into the class of 2024. Shooting guard out of Cardinal Hayes, which, by the way, they actually play a game this afternoon. After the game, as Chris writes here, after Moore competes in his high school game, Weitzman said he will fly him to Syracuse on his private jet, where he hopes they will be seated in his courtside seats before tip-off against the Tar Heels. Nine o'clock game, so you got a little more room to work with there. Uh, Weitzman is quoted as saying, quote, this is just to meet in person. We're just going to go to the Dome, watch the game, and then he's heading home. Tight schedule, so hopefully it works out. So we're kind of in this world where there's NIL, you can't pay for play, but there's a there's a workaround on this. Okay, Weitzman said that athletes would be contractually required to live in upstate New York. If you make this contract, basically you do charity work and you get the exposure, speaking of social media. I mean, Weitzman's got 19 million followers on Instagram and this celebrity thing. There's, there's a method behind the madness in all this. I'm not like in tune with the, what is it got influencer game? I just, I don't have time for that stuff. I don't get into it, but I understand what what's involved in that game. It's, it's just not random that Adam Weitzman, every other picture on his Instagram is with celebrities. There's, there's a method behind this madness. The answer to all your questions is money as Rune Arledge once said, right? But in the case of this, Weitzman said the arrangement, is, as Chris writes, is not considered pay-for-play by the NCAA because he's not signing the athletes to compete for a specific school, but to live in the area and do charity work. Okay, here's the part I was looking for. The workaround has been used by a number of NIL collectives nationally as they have worked to find ways to pay players within NCAA rules. This is all, at least from what we can see and what we know, in the continuing, evolving world of NIL to be kosher. So now you know. Now, Syracuse fans are savvy enough to know when recruits are in the building because you're smart, you follow this stuff, you know, you track it, and, you know, recruits sit in a certain section, you can kind of spot them, and they'll get, they'll get the love when they come here. But Elijah is, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't recall other recruits sitting there, but fill in the blanks if I'm missing one here, is really the first to be wooed in this way. Because now we have NIL collectives. You can call it whatever you want. It's pay for play. You can do charity work and you can you can spin it any way you want. This is pay for play. This is exactly what it is. You are making a contract with an athlete to come live in upstate New York, quotes, and perhaps maybe 
Uh, strongly encourage you, if you so happen to want to go to play basketball at Syracuse University, hey, it's here. I mean, let, let's let's stop dancing around this thing. It's pay for play. That's what this is. Which, by the way, I'm not being critical of. That's the game. And you got to play the game. You got to get in the NIL game. And this whole thing of what the NCAA allows and doesn't, frankly, doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Because they made up the rules as they went along. They got way behind on this thing. And now they're now they're going to enforce it and keep an eye on it. Like, who cares? Honestly, who cares? Now, Syracuse has to be careful, obviously, because they just had sanctions back in 2015, which when you look back at that situation is an absolute joke. Give Jim Beheim his wins back and that whole thing. But, I, look, this I get you got to do this. I'm not going to sit here and be, you know, where's my cane? I'm not going to be the old man on the porch here and shake my fat oh, darn white money bridge spending all his money on them recruits. Back in my day, we didn't do that. Like, you can't. You can't. You got to play the game. You got to play the NIL game. But is this NIL? The answer is no. It's not. So let's come up with another title for it. Name, image, and likeness is you are paid for your name, image, and likeness that you earn as a player. You get paid for autograph sessions, for merchandise sales, for camps, benefiting on your name. Now, you could say, well, why can't a recruit do that? I, I guess they can, right? But what I like about traditional NIL, if that's a way to put it, is you kind of earn that. Like, come to Syracuse, you'll have the opportunity to boost your profile to the point where someone is going to want to buy a T-shirt with your name on it, is going to want to go to an autograph session that is sold by your name that will watch a television commercial and say, Hey, Garrett Schrader selling cars. I want to buy that car. That's your choice. People are influenced by celebrities, whether we like to say we are or not, we all are in some way, shape or form, some more than others, right? In this uh, celebrity culture that we live in. This is not name, image, and likeness. This is just the window it falls under. It's pay for play. And think about this. Somebody like me that goes back to the days when this was so taboo to now just openly, like, there's a recruit sitting with our millionaire booster courtside feet from Jim Beheim. Like, isn't that just kind of weird to anybody else? I get it's the game. I'm not denying that. But you know, old habits die hard. And I look at this whole thing and I'm just like, I get it, it's the game you got to play, but it's still, this is funky. This does not feel right. There are others out there that are probably just kind of rolling their eyes right now, and I don't blame you. Hey, man, that's what you got to do. It just so happens, by the way, that Moore is announcing on Saturday where he is going. Now, I want to add to this, as Chris writes, Weitzman initially hoped to have Boogie Fland ranked as the number 11 prospect in the class of 2024 at the game as well. Flan's high school game tonight made his schedule too tight. Now, I want to read you a little bit more of what Chris says here. While a booster flying in a recruit would have been impermissible before the NIL era, it is another example of how college sports has changed over the past two years. Weitzman said that when he has an idea like Moore's visit, he will ask Syracuse what rules apply. He said that he and Darren Heitner, a sports lawyer with expertise on NIL issues, worked to interpret them and put a plan in place. And there's a couple quotes from Weitzman there about compliance. You know, look, to his credit, Adam Weitzman does not make a move 
in any of these things without it filtering through compliance. He has said that. John Wildhack has said that. But we're just in this weird new world, man. And maybe this is the game you got to play. And for those that are, and my hand's up here. I've one that has rolled my eyes at a few of these things. But it's also really smart if you kind of step out of it in a way, right? It feels cringy in a way. I'm just being honest here. But that generation, you darn kids, that generation. I sound so old when I say that. But look, it's not my generation. I'm 44 years old. I have a growing gray patch on my head. I'm Generation X, right? This current generation, and I see it with my daughter, so it kind of helps me stay in tune with it a little bit. This is how they see the world, right? That's an edge for Syracuse within not only the boundaries of the rules, but just within the, the game you got to play today. That you have somebody that has the means to do this because we've heard about private jets and some of these other things at bigger schools. Now, that's mostly for football. The fact that it's happening within the basketball terms, I think, is interesting, but it's easier to do in a way because in, in basketball, one recruit can make all the difference. It's nice when you get two or three. One guy can make an entire class. Football, you need 10 Elijah Moores to be a true blue contender, to be somebody that can be in the short breath of the conversation, that can win the league, go to a major bowl game, and be amongst the big boys. Syracuse football right now develops players and coaches for the elite of the Power Five. They're trying to play catch-up in that game, and I know Weitzman's getting involved in that too. Here's the thing, though. So let me let me look at a couple more things here. One, what does this tell us about the future of Jim Beheim? Because Weitzman and Beheim are as thick as thieves. Does this tell us anything about Beheim's plans to coach in 2024? And I ask that rhetorically because is Weitzman a Syracuse booster or is he a Beheim booster? I think he's become a Syracuse booster. And I, whether Beheim's coaching or not, he would certainly like it if Syracuse is recruiting well beyond the time he's not coaching. I just think it's a fair rhetorical question to ask because I think in his heart, and I don't, would never want to speak for Adam, but I think I can take an educated leap here. He's doing what he can to not only help out Syracuse, but to help out Jim with players. So that's a question I have. And it's just a rhetorical question, just something to ponder. And some of these questions you can't answer because recruiting. So that's the fun, like, this is what makes this so fascinating to me, right? Now, Jim always finds a way to comment on these things without, you know, stepping over the rules. But Jim Bayon can't talk about recruits. And this he's going to be right behind him tonight in Weitzman's seats. He's going to be in the frame every time the camera pans that way. Unfortunately, about three seats away from one Paul Sebelia as well. Always unfortunate when you're panning right. It's like, oh, Tom Brady, Jimmy Fallon, Julian Edelman, Adam Weitzman. Oh, there's Paul. Jeez. Why don't they why did they still let Paul sit there? It just ruins the whole thing. Anyway, that's a whole different topic for a different day. So you'll just have to forgive uh the old man here for just looking at this like does anybody else like feel weird about this? But that's the game now. This is permissible, right? To bring somebody in to do charity work. Oh, oh it just so happened. Oh, hey, did you know there's a basketball team here? Look at that. Oh, you play basketball? Oh, I, I didn't know that. I just 
Yeah, I just thought you wanted to come to a game. I just thought I'd send my private jet down here to come up here and just kind of yeah, see the area. It just Syracuse is a great place to be, right? Oh, you play basketball. Oh, is that how that works? You see what I mean by all this? Like, can we just be up front with us? Can we just say what it is? It's pay for play. It's pay for play. You can't say that because supposedly you'll get in trouble for it, but that's what it is. It's exactly what it is. The good news there is, though, you're playing the game. You're in the game. You're not taking a moral stand on the game. And, look, I didn't blame John Wildhack and some other people for kind of tiptoeing into this because nobody knew. Go back to two summers ago. The NCAA staunchly fought this to the point it went to this. Now, not the case that they ruled on, NCAA versus Alston. That was not NIL. It was a different form of paying athletes. But they got their butt handed to them in the Supreme Court of the United States, a 9-0 ruling, which is as rare as it gets in some instances. And Brett Kavanaugh warned the parties in that case, being Mark Emmer at the NCAA, like, don't come back here with something like this because you will lose again. And what they were going to come back with was NIL. They spent millions of dollars fighting this. They lose in court and then say, Oh, oh, you guys want to do all this? Okay, yeah, you can start that next month. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> Changed in an instant. Everything we're talking about right now, before that ruling, now again, it wasn't directly related to NIL, but that's what opened up the door, was taboo, was like, you had to tiptoe around it, like, oh, I don't know why that recruit happens to be sitting there. And it, now it's just like, you know, he's going to walk in the door and like, like get a standing ovation. And everybody listening to this and everybody that's a fan is like, great, whatever helps get him here, right? But somebody like me that you know, goes back a couple of years, and most of you listening, I'm, I'm not sitting here like, you know, the old man in the room. Like, two years ago, are you kidding me? There'd be red flags everywhere about something like this. Now you have Weitzman just putting on his Instagram feed. Yep, bringing some recruits in. Be loud, be proud. Show them some love. Oh, you're bringing some recruits in. Yeah, to do charity work, right? Okay. See what I mean by this? Like, can we just skip this whole, if they want to do charity work, great. Can we just can we just call it what it is? It's pay for play. That's exactly what it is. I can say that. They can't say that. I can say that. I can look at that and say, yeah, it's pay for play. It's exactly what it is. But you're in the game, Right. Still feels cringy to me. Still getting used to it, right? But maybe one day I will. So look for that courtside. In addition to Moore and Flan, Weitzman said, by the way, that he has offers out to Marcus Adams and Jaleel Bathia, number 61, number 80, in the class of 20, let's see, Bathia, a small forward, uh, told Syracuse SI recently that he was considering reclassifying into the class of 2023, so currently is 24, but could give a commit to Syracuse because they currently, as I said a few minutes ago, but just to remind, they don't have anybody lined up as we stand right now in the class of 2023. And they need some. Stark contrast to, obviously, this year when you had six freshmen commit. Six freshmen that are going to try and beat North Carolina tonight at the JMA Wireless Note as we will continue to talk about as we go through the show. Brendan Marks from the Athletic Top of the Hour. Felicia Legat jack coming up at 520. 
More to come from you as we go through the afternoon here on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We're back after this. Don't go anywhere.